Blog Talk Radio. I hope your Friday is going as great as mine is. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, founder of Alzheimer Speaks Resource website, blog, and radio. As many of you know from listening to our show, my passion is to raise awareness and educate the world on Alzheimer's disease, a journey that I've been on for over 30 years with my mother. Our goal here is to give voice to those afflicted with memory loss and empower them to live purpose-filled lives. We want to raise awareness, give hope, and share the real, everyday life stories of living with Alzheimer's disease. Our channel expert, Rick Phelps, is not going to be able to make it with us uh, on the show today, so you're just stuck with me and a couple of great guests, so I know we're going to have a lot of fun. And today we have on David Schufman, co-founder and CEO of Coral Health, who is going to talk about his amazing new product, Music First. David will also be giving a free trial link for our listeners, so grab a pen and paper so you'll be ready for the instructions when he gives them. Our second guest is Dennis Burkholz, founder and president of National Senior League Games. Dennis coordinates Wii Bowling Leagues and is interested in starting a league for people with early-onset dementia. I think this would be a fantastic way for people to stay connected and get connected all over the world. Now, before we get started with the show, I just want to remind everybody of a few little housekeeping um, things here. First, if you're listening online, I have the, I was going to try to put the chat box up, but for whatever reason, I'm having a little technical difficulty, so you're not going to be able to chat with us at this time. I'll continue to see if I can get that fixed. Um, if you're a live caller and on the phone and you want to ask a question or make a comment, just push one. And that'll put you into the queue so I know that you have a question that you want to ask. Again, that number to call is 714-364-4757. And if you're interested in helping us share Alzheimer Speaks Radio, I would love your help in spreading the word that we're here. All you have to do is click on one of the share buttons on our homepage, Facebook, Twitter, or email, etc., and uh, we can we can help you, uh, or you can help us spread the word. I'm a firm believer in collaboration, and um, a little later I'm going to share with you a really exciting project um, that we're going to be launching here in the U.S. in my hometown. So with no more further ado, I would like to welcome David. David, are you with us? I am. Thank you very much, Flora. Oh great. I'm so I'm so excited to have you on the show. David and I have talked a few times over the years and um he you know is just a a fantastic guy. Um he has extensive uh, an extensive career and successful um entrepreneurship in terms of building a business and platform that changed consumer behaviors. And the inspiration for his his company Coral Health was largely driven by his daughter with special needs, um, with um, music therapy having such a strong impact on her life. And th 
through this process, she has undergone and, and worked extensively with Austin Center for Music Therapy, uh, therapy which has really given um, him inspiration for his mission. David's mom also has worked as a hospice nurse for 25 years and has devoted her life to improving the lives of, of elders. So it's no surprise that the combination leads him um, with his passion today in, in terms of music therapy and being a co-founder in Coral Health. David is also a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin. And so, again, um, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I, I just know you've got so much to share, and I think the platform that you have developed is going to help so many people. I'm a huge believer in music therapy and the power that it holds. So um, can you tell us a little bit more um, about your your connection with Alzheimer's and, you know, has it how has it touched you in, in what fashion, if at all? Certainly. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, uh, there's, there's obviously a lot of different ways. Um, first and foremost, we have a, a family member who's, who's going through the disease process, so that always uh, um, brings things uh, to the forefront of everybody's attention. But um, even, you know, prior to her being diagnosed uh, about 18 months ago, um, you know, we've been doing work in – uh, with residents that have Alzheimer's and dementia and memory care communities around the country uh, for three years now. And so um, we've had an amazing opportunity and experience um, of working with uh, not only the caregivers but the families and the individuals who are going through the disease process. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very tough environment. Um, I'm talking about uh, obviously at home, but more specifically um, in these uh, long-term care communities, in these memory care communities, um, dealing with uh, uh, all the different phases of the disease process. And these caregivers are trying so hard um, to provide the absolute best care that they can for a wide range of people that are in a wide range of different situations. And, you know, the, the sadness for us of seeing, you know, no cure um, and, and really no traditional types of uh, pharma intervention that is doing anything, uh, which is great <laughs> on some levels, but <laughs> to see the impact that that our little system is having and the simplicity of bringing uh, music and spirituality um, to these to these you know thousands of people around the country and seeing the changes in behaviors that we that we witness um, is is inspired us all. And um, so even though now um, our family's dealing with it on a personal level, um, I have seen it firsthand um, and can tell stories for hours um, about the impact that we've seen from something as, as simple as music and, and, and spirituality, if it's done right, um, can really change their lives in a, in a, in a very impo impactful way. Wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit, you know, about your product and and how you got to this new this new launch of Music First? You know, what what was there originally, and then uh, what made you decide to do this new product venture? Yeah. So, you know, as you alluded to in, in the opening, um, you know, we got started in this business um, three or four years ago. Um, we were inspired initially. Uh, by some great stories and some great friends who had uh, amazing results um, with their children um, using music and music therapy as a way to connect with them in a way that, that didn't exist. 
And around the same time, my middle daughter was, was diagnosed uh, with a pretty severe uh, disability. And so I got to um, include music therapy as part of her uh, many therapies that she uh, underwent and still undergoes today and saw how impactful it was. And at the same time, um, I was looking for the next business to get involved with and the next business to start, my partner and I both. And uh, we knew that we wanted to do something um, that was much more impactful to the human human race than what we've done in the past, although we've had a lot of success. It certainly wasn't as fulfilling emotionally and, uh, as, as what we're doing now. And so I, we just dug in and started researching it, to be honest, Lori. And we started researching and calling all these doctors and music therapists and neurologists and neuroscientists and saying, wow, this is amazing stuff that you guys are doing. I mean, we know that this really works, so why is this not available, not only to preemies and children with, all, with, with autism and all kinds of learning disabilities, but also more you know, to seniors and those with Alzheimer's and dementia and, and dealing with the wide range of disease process. And the, the answer we got from every single person was the same, which is we're researchers, you know, we're not business people. And so it was at that moment that, that my partner and I kind of looked at each other and we said, we, we got to figure out a way to do this. Um, and so that's really what kicked off the, the origination of the business. And so we hired, started hiring therapists and music designers and, and neuroscientists and started figuring out a way. And it took us about 18 months to develop our first product, Music First. And, you know, we started testing that in long-term care communities in a wide range uh, of, of individuals, you know, those with Alzheimer's dementia and those that a wide range of issues. And the impact was just blew us away. And so we knew we were onto something. And so we spent the next year really refining the product, testing it all over the country in, in a wide range of environments. And although today the product is, is received at, at all levels of care, uh, Alzheimer's dementia is, is our sweet spot, and, and the majority of our customers uh, are communities that, that support those individuals. Okay, great. Now, so when you when you started this out, it started more as a commercial versus an, an in-home product. Then, would that be correct to say? It did, yeah. No, that was that. that the in-home product is is a new product for us, and and one that we uh, we just announced uh, uh, a couple months back. But yes, primarily we our business today is uh, is is in long-term care communities, um, but we are aggressively uh, pursuing. Uh, helping the caregivers that are that are that are helping those um, the adult children and or the the well spouses that are that are caring for those at home uh, with the disease. Okay, can you tell us? You know, how does it work? What's yeah? So you know, we have um, we come in and we do a music assessment on the individual, and the music assessment. A lot of the questions on the assessment are, are things you would you would assume we would ask, uh, such as musical preferences and, and favorite songs and favorite artists and stuff like that. But we also get into a lot more scientifically and understanding what their schedules are like, understanding important events in their lives, uh, whether they were in the military, their diagnoses. Um, most importantly, where were they geographically from the years of uh, 15 to 25, which have been shown to be the real 
formative years from a musical preference and taste and memory uh, uh, standpoint. So we take them through a process or, or, you know, or the family usually actually answers these questions and, along with the, the caregivers. Um, and then based on the answers to these questions, we have a, an algorithm that builds for them a music prescription. And a music prescription, by our definition, uh, generally consists of about four different playlists that are 25 to 40 minutes in length that we play throughout the day that are very specific, specifically built for uh, outcomes. So we focus on four major outcomes, wake, sleep, energy, and relax. And um, the way it works is we have in a care, in a care community, um, we have a, a device there, a tablet PC. It looks like a mini iPad. Um, it sits in a docking station. And uh, based on their schedules, the relevant playlists come on at the appropriate times of day. So, for example, sundowning is a big issue that we, that we deal with in these communities. And so, um, you know, at 4 o'clock we will play, both in the common areas and in their rooms, uh, the, their relaxed music program that David, has been designed you, specifically for them. Excuse me. Can you explain to our listeners, because I don't think everybody knows what the term down, uh, you know, um, downing is. So if you can if, just explain that um, to them and what happens to yeah. them typically around that time, that sundowning time. You know, it, it generally is uh, is a term that's referred to a time of day. Obviously, when the when the from our experiences, it's you know 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. And most people who are going through the disease process, and again, I have to make some generalizations here. Um, you know, the morning is the best time of the day, and as the day progresses, um, the agitation levels rise. And when you have a uh, either it's a secure wing or or a community. Uh, with a lot of individuals um, who are going through a similar disease process, as the day goes on and the agitation level rises, it usually apexes somewhere between 3 and 7 p.m. And being quite honest, it can be a very uh, dramatic uh, and un- you know, time of day. It's very difficult on the care staff. It's very difficult on the individuals. Um, you know, that's when most incidents happen uh, between the care staff, between the residents, um, so that it Reducing agitation during that window of time is very, very important. Um, and you know they do all they can with the tools that they have, and they redirect and they help and they they do all the things. But what we found, and, and this was something we never anticipated, Lori, when we started the company and started the product, is that our system has become such a vital tool to helping them. It becomes very Pavlovian in nature in helping to set an environment, a calm environment. Um, that helps them and helps the residents and helps the staff kind of keep everything on an even keel. Um, and we have communities who have reported back to us of dramatic reductions in incidents and accidents during this time frame. Oh, that is wonderful. Now, in a, in a let's say, an assisted living or a nursing home type setting, is this a, kind of a, a one-fits-all program or is this a personalized program? How does that work in a, in a community type setting? Yeah, so it's a combination of both. Um, we, all, our entire product is built around the individual, and that's why most of our communities have one of our units in, in every single room, and those programs are very specifically designed for that individual because your music tastes are very different than mine and very different from everybody on, on, on the program right now. And so it's very important that these programs not only have the right uh, progression and the right type 
of uh, outcomes, but they also are built in music at the subgenre level that is appropriate and interesting and meaningful to that individual. So we generally have units that are in the individual's room, and we also have common area units that are that are used for throughout the environment. Now, common area music is challenging uh, for anybody, um, especially this demographic, because as I just noted, you know your music tastes aren't the same as mine. <laughs> and so, when you're playing music in a common space, especially a common space with uh, a lot of people who are going through the disease process, finding a common denominator, a common thread, is very, very difficult because music. Although it's wonderful, can be can have the absolute reverse effect. I mean, it can be extremely agitating and be very damaging if used incorrectly. And so, our team is, is and God bless them, they're they're great at what they do. But we we look for common threads among the residents, and we build programs uh, for our common spaces that are based on similarities and similar characteristics and similar interests among that group of residents. And and by no means are we perfect, but I can tell you that the majority of the time we we do a really good job of creating those programs, and our customers love our sundowning programs. Well, and I would think that that gets a little more complicated. Just with my mom is in a nursing home, and now with the um, more diagnosis of early onset, there's a much broader range of who is on her on her in her community or on her unit now. And so that's got to be a little trickier, um, I would think, to maneuver. But on the other hand, I think the program in and of itself just helps staff realize that something as simple as music or, you know, what's on the TV, you know, can affect someone's behavior. And so it's raising awareness and looking for those curbs that, okay, this song is really not doing it, so we need to get this one out of the out of out of sync and replace it with something else and I would imagine that that's something that can be done you can change that up then uh if you're really finding someone's becoming combative or disruptive absolutely no i mean the the the, the program is very flexible and it's designed to have input I mean, we don't know the residents as well as the caregivers do. We're not seeing their behaviors. And so the way the system works is they have an interface in which they provide us feedback on the resident level of what's working and what's not working. Because our program is very similar to any new medication that somebody's receiving. You know, there's some, some it has an immediate impact, some it takes a long time, and sometimes we get the, the, the dosage wrong. And so we rely on the caregivers to provide us feedback. But what I can tell you is that, after we get it right, we get it right, and it stays right. And, you know, the thing about creating music programs for those with Alzheimer's and dementia, as opposed to um, those in, in skilled nursing or assisted living or independent living, is that the repetition, once we nail the program down, the repetition becomes very important to them, and it becomes very Pavlovian, and it, create, it helps them with triggers. Of and cues throughout the day, they know when this program comes on that this is breakfast time. They know when this program comes on it's nap time, and it helps the entire environment, you know, kind of become more cohesive. And that's the feedback that we've received over and over that we never anticipated. Okay. Now, when we had talked um, earlier on the phone, you know, you had mentioned in in pretty good detail in terms of how the music can even be to help wake somebody up. Can you explain that or put them to sleep and, you know, how the rhythm and the volume all kind of play into that? 
Yeah, so yeah. when we're when we're building programs, um, we're very much, um, as opposed to the radio, which is a common thing that we always get, well, we'll just put in a CD or we'll just put on the oldie station, everybody likes that. And you know, there's some truth to that. I mean, some you know, if you get the right music in the right environment, you know, you'll have you'll have some you'll have some small wins. But over the the large population, it just doesn't work. And here's why: it's because the difference between the radio and genre-based programs is how the programs are woven together. And when we create a relaxed program or a wake program, for example, let's do wake. And we know someone wakes up at 7 o'clock in the morning. Then the system comes autom- on automatically at 6:50. It's going to be very low volume. It's going to be very low tempo. It's going to be all instrumentation. It may even be some nature sounds. And then over a 25 to 45-minute period, it increases in volume and tempo and instrumentation and vocalization. So it takes them through a progression. And we know that each song ends in a certain key at a certain BPM range, and the next song starts in that key and that same at a slightly increased BPM range. So we're taking them through a progression and making sure that there's no sharp changes because those sharp changes is what can be, from an auditory standpoint, uh, so uh, uh, frustrating to us and agitating to us. And so even though on the radio, for example, you may find a song that you know all 20 people are clapping and happy with, but the odds that the next song that's going to come on is going to have the same effect is very low. And so that's where the music designers that we have, and we have one of the best in the, in the, in the country and probably in the world, and Leanne Flask, who led music design for, for DMX for 15 years before coming uh, to work with us and, and running our own business as well, is that's what, these, that's what a music designer does. They understand how to weave songs and weave programs together in a therapeutic way. Wonderful. I I love just the phrase even prescriptive music programs because people overlook the power of music, I think, so frequently, and it's something so simple that that we can provide. And um, it's amazing. It's it's absolutely amazing, you know, the, the changes there. What's, what has been one of the biggest surprises or compliments that you've heard regarding your product? Can you give us some examples of, of what people are saying about it? Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the biggest was the one I alluded to before, which is just how much we've been able to reduce incidents and accidents, especially during the window of sundowning. Um, I think that, you know, on a, on a personal level, um, you know, seeing some of the breakthroughs that we have, um, I think I talked to you once about a woman named Elizabeth, who's just a great, great story. Um, and a great friend, and her family's become a friend of the company too, um, who is in, now she's kind of in, in, in the advanced stages of the disease, but when we met her, she was kind of in the early to middle stages, and she also had had a stroke. And um, when I met her, it uh, was actually during an installation, and um, I was putting the unit in her room, literally, and she just came up and just got right in my face. And was you know was completely uncommunicative, and I was saying, "How are you doing?" And hi, I'm David, and she was just staring at me, and so I'm going about my business installing the unit, and um, we had already had her assessment, so I had her programs on there that her family had had helped us choose for her, and so it was time to do a sound check, and um, so you know I turned on the unit, and uh, the first song that came on uh, was uh, a Frank Sinatra song. And um, and she just started, first she started nodding her head, then she started smiling, and then she just started belting out. I mean, belting out, not only belting out the words, but belting it out in key. And I'm fumbling around for my iPhone to get the camera up 
so I can record this, and I have it recorded, and it's on our website, actually, and um, it was an amazing thing. I mean, absolutely amazing. You could see her respond to the song, and come to find out, of course, you know, after after all of this happened, well, there's two parts of the story. First of all, let me finish the story. So, um, so the next song that comes on is a Sammy Davis Jr. song, and as soon as the song changed and the Sammy Davis Jr. song came on, she went over and sat down and put her head down in her lap. I mean, she hated it. It was her only way of showing me that she hated it. And I was just like, wow. And so I rewound and put back on the Frank Sinatra, and guess what? She jumped right back up, got right back up, and started singing again. And it was just, to me, it was such a powerful moment, not only to see the impact that we had, but also to, to, to show me how powerful music can be and, and also how it doesn't work. Because she hated Sammy Davis Jr., came to find out after we talked to her family afterwards. So that just goes to show you, yeah, it was a very powerful moment. Um, so anyway, I, I lost my train of thought, but, I, uh, uh, you know, sharing that video with the family and, you know, the letters that we received from them, um, and it comes to find out she was a music teacher, you know, and that was oh, her wow. profession. Yeah, and, and so it's just a lovely story. So I, I know that's kind of a long answer to your question, but uh, and we have several other stories like that, but for me that was probably – the moment in my life in this business where I knew that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. What was the family's reaction to that being taped in in, in terms of their response? Were they were they shocked to see their mom's response? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a little bit tricky because, uh, you know, uh, being honest, I, I, I didn't know any better, and I probably shouldn't have taped her because I probably didn't have the, the okay to do it, but I did go to the uh, go to the community and ask for permission to uh, uh, to send it to the family, and they were so blown away by the transformation. But to answer your question, they were absolutely blown away. Um, uh, so blown away that Elena, her, her daughter-in-law, uh, actually participated in, in – uh, uh, she, want, you know, she wanted to create a video about it um, to tell her to tell her story about what happened, and so um, it, they were blown away, and um, they were they were blown away by how not only that she recalled the words of the song. It was Chicago, by the way, um, uh-huh. but you know you could see and you can watch this on the video. I mean, she doesn't sing every lyric; she has moments. You know, she goes in and out, right? And you can see her mind. And she's but what she does the entire time is she's keeping the rhythm. Her hands are keeping the rhythm. She's banging on the counter. And even though her brain is struggling to come up with the lyrics, you know, which come in and out, her body, she's physiologically responding to the song. And, um, and you, can watch her, you can watch her eyes. I mean, I have some close-ups, and, and you can see um, just how at peace she is. And uh-huh. uh, the best part of the video is the ending in which she just – belt out in key the ending to the song. It's just fantastic. Oh, very neat. I have some um, clips on my YouTube channel of my mother, and it's amazing, the hits. And people, I, I mean, they write to me and call me in, in, in tears, going, that's just so powerful. And yeah. my mom is in her very young stages. And, I mean, if she says three words in a day, we're lucky. And, you know, if they make sense, we're, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really good day. And, and if she can string them together and they make sense, it's a fantastic day. But she will just light up with music. And yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. The hands start going and she, she can't control them so much anymore. And sometimes her toes start tapping and she'll even, like, raise her eyebrows. And, you know, the facial expressions are just precious and get a few words out and it's probably been a year now um 
and I have never ever seen my mom shimmy. And out of the blue, she shimmies. I mean, like, and it's like she can't control any other part of her body, and she's doing this just fabulous shimmy in her wheelchair. <laughs> and then she giggles, and it's like, you know, it just it just warms your heart. And so I actually videotaped my mom uh, for like a half an hour and then broke it into segments and have it on the YouTube and, and then have had music therapists come in and where we videotaped it and, again, these small segments. But for me personally as a caregiver, if I'm having a down day, I go to my YouTube channel and I watch my mom. Yeah. And my worries go away. And it's just incredible. Um, incredibly powerful and so overlooked. So I, that's why I'm so excited about this this product that you're doing. Now, can people use this in their own home? You know, there's a lot of people with early onset that this would, I think, be wonderful just to get them used to the, the um, product and the patterns that you're doing. So as the disease progresses, um, is that something that's available now with this music first? Yeah, no, we have two different ways that, that we deliver it. I mean, if, if someone has uh, a PC in the home, uh, we have a downloadable version of the product, uh, a player basically that sits on the desktop. It works just like the commercial product does where it's programmed. You go through the prescription building process, and it plays at the appropriate times of day. Uh, you know, whether you're there or not there, it's going to play. And it, not only does it play music, it plays, uh, if you choose, it plays spirituality, it plays uh Media. We have lots of old-time radio shows and Amos and Andy, Bob Hope, and old westerns and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we also have ADL reminders on there. So if you're working uh, to help them remind to hydrate, to uh, you know, to to bathe, to toilet, to whatever it is you're working with, the system's very flexible, and you have the ability to go in and set up as as much content as you want to play through the through the system. Um, and then we also, if for people who don't have a computer, we sell the, the tablet PC with the docking station, and we load it up for you with all the content and ship it to you. And, and once again, it'll just sit wherever you want. It's mobile. You can unplug it and move it from room to room or whatever you want, and it'll play the uh, prescribed content at the, uh, at the appropriate time of day. So the assessment you kind of fill out online and everything yeah, then include it to you? Then. Okay. That's um, I, I'm thinking I need one, just like when my computer crashes. <laughs> I need that calming music, you know, or wake my butt up. I use uh, I use the ADL <laughs> reminders for my uh, for my two year old and five year old. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean I I could see where I wouldn't mind having it, you know, just to wake me up in the morning or make me go to sleep at night because I I tend to be a night owl and I get really creative. Like last night, I was up till two thirty in the morning and then had early morning meetings, and it's like you know that I can. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, the interesting thing, and you bring up a great point, is that, you know, and I do a lot of speaking about the importance of music uh, in all of long-term care, and, you know, we use music because we have the, the physical and mental abilities. We all use music therapeutically every single day. You don't even realize you do it. It's such a part of your environment. You use it on your radio, your iPod, the movies you choose to watch, TV shows you choose to watch, the retail stores that, you're, that you choose to shop in. All of that is a musical environment. I mean, you cannot go a day of your life without music. It's In this world, it's physically impossible unless you're on an island somewhere. And what happens when somebody goes into uh, the disease process, whether they're at home or in a community, is they lose their ability to choose that environment. That environment is chosen for them. And you don't realize how frustrating that would be 
unless you went through the, the the process yourself of having it taken away, which none of us can really understand. So I think that you know a lot of the speak that I do and and, and and is not just about our product. It's about you know making music a standard part of the care plan, no matter where you are. Because it's such an important part of who we are as humans, and it's such an important part of, of the environment and the spaces. And when you're when you're in a community or you're at home and you're going through some form of the disease process, like I said, you lose that ability to control your environment, which has got to be frustrating as heck. And so you know, we find out so many details about an individual when we're going through the care plan process. We know all their medications. We know everything about them. We know what color jello they they like. We know their bowel movements and schedules, but we don't ask them about their music preferences. And to me, that's just insane. And, you know, I understand it's my own personal campaign here, but it's it's just insane because, as you've alluded to multiple times today, music can be so simple, and if it's used strategically, it can be such a great way, especially with Alzheimer's and dementia, for which we have no cure. Um, it's all about creating um, moments for them and creating spaces and environments for which they can be comfortable. And music is just such a logical part of that. It just blows me away, being an outsider to this industry, that music is just foreign as, yeah. a, as a standard part of the care plan. Well, and the, the emotional impact, people don't understand. But, I mean, I, I can't even name how many times I'm driving down the road, and I tear up because it's like, oh, that song, you know. I mean, it triggers something in me, or, you know, it lifts my spirit. And, like you said, we just take all of that for granted. The other thing that I think is just so incredibly important is many times when people have lived in their home for a long time, I mean, it's hard to give up their independence. It's it's hard to make that change. And, you know, I was in real estate for 25 years, and that was my specialty. And one of my goals was to help people through that transition period. And adult children would always say, well, you know, it's just a house. Well, it's not a house. It's every every single possession you know, may or may not come with them. But even if it does, it's going to be in a different spot. Nothing's going to be the same. But this pattern, this music could be brought. And, I mean, that's just incredible in and of itself. Because yeah. if, if the patterns and the triggers can be the same, it's going to feel more like home. And I, I can't I can't believe that there wouldn't be a much calmer entrance and feeling to the new place, wherever it is. And, and with Alzheimer's disease in particular, people many times have to transition into different units or communities, whatever you want to call it. Um, and and that could be a stabilizing factor that's that's just so so beautiful and so wonderful and so unintrusive. That's a wonderful idea, you know, because we, you know, we do installations all the time all around the country, and I can tell you a lot of times, our installation dates are bumped or moved or up or down based on new admit days and new admit weeks because the staff tell, you know has told me a million times and I never really thought about it in the context that you just did you know we've got, we know we've got a new resident coming in next week we know it's going to be 3 days of hell because you know it's really tr- rough transition for everybody anytime we get a new resident which is just you know I, I just took it as a reality of the situation but that's a really good point that you just brought up which is you know um you know using music on the forefront of that 
uh, and making sure that that's there when they get there could be one of many things they could do maybe to help with that process. But I know it's a really difficult process. Yeah, but just for for caregivers at home to even think about instituting that well before it's yeah, ever yeah. needed. Absolutely. Because, because the patterns are so incredibly important, and, and that's one of the things I teach when I go out and speak. Like with my mom, you know, I always have kind of the same entrance and exit with her all the time. You know, when I go to leave, I ask her to pucker up, you know, and, and she'll she'll pucker up and give me a kiss, and then I'll say, you know, see you later, crocodile. You know, we just kind of have our little little thing that we do. But it's triggers for her because we've been doing it for so long. And same when I when I come in, I have the the same um, the same statement I make, same tone. Give her a kiss, give her a hug, you know. And it's just a, it's very simple, but it's patterning so that she's more comfortable. And the the sounds in the music are so important. Do you do anything? Because I, I push music therapy all the time with people. I mean, I just I'm such a huge advocate. Um, it's kind of crazy, but I, I so firmly believe it. But every now and then I'll get a person to go, well, my dad doesn't like music. You know, he's a talk show guy. Do you do anything with maybe talk shows or old TV shows, um, you know, or radio talk that, that could be used as triggers? Have you looked into that or experimented with that at all? Yeah, no, uh, I thought I mentioned that earlier, but we do. Um, the library is, is, is ever growing and it needs to grow more. Um, but we have a lot of the old radio shows um, that, you know, and music, and I, I should say that, I mean, uh, you're absolutely right. Music is not for everybody. And when we go into a community, um, we don't try to, to tell them that music is going to be great and have amazing breakthroughs for every resident because it's not. Because it, it doesn't, uh, you know, music isn't important to everybody. It wasn't in their lives before the disease or, or during or after. Uh-huh. Uh, but it certainly does for a lot of people. But you're right. Um, that's why you know, the old Western shows, Amos and Annie, Bob Hope Show, um, all those things are, are used as part of our system in conjunction with the music, as is spirituality. You know, we okay. have some residents that don't like music, but they want to hear a sermon every single day. And, you know, they want to hear gospel music only. Um, so, you know, the combination of the media, the music, and the spirituality we found is, is a very good combination to cover just about everybody. But it certainly, music is not, it doesn't work for everybody, and that's why we have to have the other tools. Wonderful. Because it is, I mean, it's all about our, our audio presence and how yeah, yeah. we perceive things. And music will get the majority of people, but every now and then, you know, I'll just get somebody and they just get so discouraged. And I always say, well, then buy some old shows or get a sports channel, you know. So if, if your dad was one like mine that used to sit outside with his radio and listen to, you know, listen to the game, then then do that. Um, yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, we just, I think sometimes we just think everything is so far out of our grasp and we're we're looking for controls in these huge fashions. And, and sometimes it can just be so simple and right before us and we we overlook it and so again i i just think it's incredible what you're doing now if our listeners were interested um you had mentioned that you would be willing to give a free trial um can you explain explain that a little bit and how that would work and what they would do and sure um you go on our website it's uh, corohealth.com which is spelled c-o-r-o 
Okay, I'm just going to repeat that because you're cutting out a little bit. So that would be www.coro and then health, H-E-A-L-T-H dot com, coralhealth.com. That's right. Sorry about that. And then uh, on the homepage there, there's a free trial button, and uh, there's a two-week free trial of the downloadable version of the product. Um, which you can download for yourself, you can play around with, use it for yourself, use it for your loved one. And um, if a if that version of the product works for you, in other words, you have a computer available, um, then after two weeks you can you can purchase it at fourteen ninety five a month or fifty cents a day. Um, or if you don't have a computer but you like what you see and you want to use it, then like I said, we can sell you uh, a little tablet with a docking station speakers and uh, and have that mobile device uh, moving around wherever your loved one may be. Okay, and so they would just pay if they decided that they wanted to subscribe. They would just go ahead and and pay online, and that's all secure, I would imagine. And exactly, yeah. After yeah. the two weeks, you'll be sent an email saying, you know, if you want to continue, press here, kind of thing, and and uh, pretty simple. Okay, wonderful. Well, I I might have to try it for myself. I think. <laughs> <laughs> you should. I don't think that would be. I don't think that would be bad. I mean, I can see so many applications. You know, parents with teenagers, and you know, the kids listen to their own music, but uh, maybe mom just needs something to calm her down. <laughs> <laughs> when they're locking heads or or the terrible twos or whatever it might be, I, I think I think it's important for us to use the resources that are available to us to bring calmness into this crazy life that we have, because um, the world just is going way too fast, in my opinion. And and uh, you know, and and I'm one kind of pushing the cart and running. I I don't know, but it it we just don't appreciate the small things and. Alzheimer's disease has really done that for me. It's really made me slow down. And I, I look at the world so differently, and I just look for, like you said, the glint in the eye, the tap of the toe or the finger or, you know, the word that just says, I'm in here. I get this. I'm connected. Yeah. Don't 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 forget about me. So beautiful, beautiful. Do you have any words of wisdom for someone who might be diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease? Wow. Uh, I think that, you know, for for me to kind of go off of what you were just saying a minute ago, um, you know, connecting with somebody, whether through music or whatever methodology that you're using to connect with that person, and understanding that the moments are going to get fewer farther apart, as you alluded to with your mom, but there's still moments there. And, you know, cherishing those moments when they come and taking full advantage of those moments to connect with that person um, is so very important because um, we've seen it even with our customers. I mean, you know, and it, and it happens. Um, everybody's a little bit different how the disease process goes and how fast it is and, and, and how the mind reacts to it. But um, they're still in there, and you know whether you're using music or whatever whatever it is for you um, to make that connection, um, just like it is with your children. I mean, it's very important um, to have those connections, to cherish those connections, and um, it doesn't have to be. It's not all over um, when you're diagnosed because there's obviously a lot of light that can still be brought into somebody's mind. Yeah, I always tell people that you know Alzheimer's disease, especially you know towards the end 
stages is really very similar to a stroke victim. They're in there, they can hear, they can they just can't comprehend necessarily and communicate, spit it back out to us. Um, so we have to train ourselves to look for different things. We have to be much deeper as as a society and in our relationships and not take things for granted because we we impact people so greatly and most of us don't have a clue. And all it takes is a smile, you know, or a giggle to initiate that where we can pull somebody out of a different mood and, and raise them up, you know, or many times, I mean, I can go, I can be down myself and go visit my mom and I walk out of there just higher than a kite, just yeah. you know, knowing that, you know, one, one day she said my name. I hadn't heard my name in three years. And out of the blue, out of a dead sleep, I made a joke. She was laying in bed. It was so funny. I'll get a little off track, but it's just the importance of the connection there. She was laying in bed in the nursing home <clears throat> behind this drape because she had a shared room. And I walk into the room, and it was a beautiful sunny day. It was the first sunny day we probably had in three weeks. And I could see my mom laying on the, on the bed. And my mom's a big woman. She's grown, you know, I don't know, 250, 300 pounds. And so as I turn the corner, there's my mom laying with this smile on her face, just kind of basking in the sun. But her, her shirt is tucked underneath her boobs, and her pants are down to her crotch. So her big exposed belly is just hanging out, you know, and she's just laying on this bed and soaking up the sun. And so as I turned the corner, it just made me giggle, and I just said, oh, Mom, do I have to pull out the bikini? And out of a dead sleep, she giggled opened her eyes, and she said, oh, Lori, I don't think I should be wearing a bikini. And then she went back to sleep. (laughs) And I sat on the bed, and I just bawled because I didn't really, you know, I never know if she's going to be able to react. But to not hear your name and then to hear it, you know, two or three years later, the power of the connections. And music has done that for us several times in our relationship, just brought us so much joy and and so much connection. Like I said, I'll I'll never forget my mom doing the shimmy and and she'll look up like in the sky at the ceiling and I know she's probably connecting with my dad who has passed and she just shimmies, you know, and it's like, what a moment. What a moment. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't create that, you know, it just happens, but we have to, we have to watch for them and then we have to appreciate them when they, when they do come. Um, I would like to um, wrap up a little bit here with you and just talk about, from your perspective, you know, what are you doing to kind of raise awareness about Alzheimer's disease and dementia? I mean, I know you're definitely doing that with, with your work here, but, but how, do you, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's interesting that, um, that this topic is, has, is catching on um, and gaining so much interest. I mean, just like your show here, um, you know, I did a webinar early this, earlier this week um, talking to long-term care communities that I think we had like 400 people that patched into the webinar. It was unbelievable. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm speaking all over the country. I'm, I'm, I've got a 90-minute presentation I'm giving at the Pioneer Network, which is all about culture change. And, um, and, and I'm a founding member of the Texas Culture Change Coalition and a, the chairman of the marketing committee there and, and presenting there. So, you know, my, uh, you know, this has become my life. And, um, 
music is something that's so universal and so understood, yet so misunderstood in long-term care. I think that we've kind of tapped into a, a, a valve here that's, that's generated a lot of interest from people. Um, you know, we are now, I think I told you, we're now working doing pilots with four of the five largest long-term care communities in the country right now, and every single one of them, uh, we are working with the National Memory Care uh, folks on one level or not because they're looking at this and they're all looking at ways to um, create a better environment. Um, it's also a very competitive world, too. And people are starting to get the fact that um, adult children like yourselves are not going to put up with it and that, you know, they need to be doing something more creative and more innovative and, and, and culture change is going to become a requirement and person-centered care is going to become a requirement instead of it being, you know, uh, one out of 100 facilities. It's going to be, you know, one out of 10 in 20 years because, uh, or more because you're not going to be able to go anywhere that doesn't focus around the, the individual and become much more of, uh, of a hospitality environment rather than a clinical environment. So I think, you know, the long answer to your question is that there's a lot of interest in what we're doing, and in that uh, I'm blessed enough to have a lot of people ask me to come talk and train and teach, and, um, you know, I've been given a, a window and time here to have a pulpit to talk about not just our product, because, you know, I, I mean, that's great, but um, more importantly the message is, you know, as I said, you know, is bringing and using using music in the care plan and, you know, hiring, a, you know, most people say, well, you know, what does that even mean? I say, you know, hire a music therapist. If you can't afford a music therapist all the time, which most people can't, at least hire one for a day or a week. Come in to consult with your staff to train you on how to use music properly and how not to use music because it, it, is, it is something that can be taught um, and understood and, and, it, and it needs to just become part of, uh, of everything else that we do when we're taking care of the entire person. And um, so that's my campaign in life at the moment. Well, I, I just I applaud you. I, I just I am so excited. Like I said, I'll, I'll do anything I can to help you spread the word because I just think it's absolutely so needed. And, it, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, your, your, your product is one of those things that, that does – fit naturally into life and a lot of a lot of services don't you know it's something we really have to adjust to but your product adjusts to us and that's huge well i appreciate that's, it that's just so so huge so david i i can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on our show and and sharing your information with our listeners um i know that they will definitely be out there you know grabbing that trial and again, to get the trial, you can go to www.coralhealth.com, and that's C-O-R-O, and then health, H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. And then you said there's just a link there that says for the test trial, or what's the name of the yeah, button? Yeah, free trial right there in the upper right-hand corner, so. Free trial. Okay, wonderful. Well, is there is there anything you'd like to close with? And otherwise, I, I again, I can't thank you enough for everything that you've shared with us today. It's just wonderful. Well, obviously, you know, I, I appreciate you and giving me the opportunity to be here and, and everything that you're doing to help. And 
you know, uh, the only thing that I can say to, to the people that are listening out there is, uh, you know, to help us with this mission is to, I mean, you as a caregiver, whether it's with home health agency or what you're doing yourself or whatever long-term care community uh, that your loved one is involved with, is to, you know, not only just to ask, but to demand. If music is an important part of, of your loved one's life, you know, you should make sure that they have a system in there that that, uh, that helps. And by system, I'm not talking about our product. I'm talking about that somebody there is using music therapeutically, whether they bring in a music therapist or whether they bring in uh, you know, some type of system to help support that. Because I think that the only the only way anything gets moved is when the consumer demands it. Uh, if we're sitting around waiting for the insurance companies to say, um, it needs to be a part of the care plan and we're going to pay for it, it's not going to happen. If we're sitting yeah. around waiting for something legislatively to happen, it's not going to happen. Uh, the people who are paying and the people who are caring for them are the ones that have to help make this happen. And so to the extent uh, that you believe in what we're doing and believe in this mission, uh, you know, that's the best way you can help out. Well, I, I agree. People have to take action. And I think it can be simple things. If they go into a community and sometimes the music just isn't appropriate for the people who are in the room. And you can see that by they're, they're sleeping or they're agitated. Then, you know, get off your chair and go change the channel. You know, and if yeah, you can't yeah. find the clicker, then go ask for it. Because, uh, and I, I do that all the time. In fact, every time my mom switched units, I would buy a new stereo system and CDs for that unit. Because I wanted to make sure, you know, that music was a part of things. And, um, I, and I didn't realize the impact like that the news had on my mom either until one day uh, I was cleaning out her closet and it was, you know, kind of that spring change. And it was, I think it was spring. I don't know. It was when we were bombing Iraq and it was really nasty and it was just all over the news. And my mom was scared to death and I couldn't understand why she wasn't tracking and what was going on, and then she would just start crying and just sobbing, and then it was like, oh, my gosh, it's the TV. Yeah, well, that's an unfortunate reality uh, most long-term care communities is that the TV becomes the default, uh, and it's, it's very sad. I can't remember how many times I go into and they're all parked around watching Jerry Springer, and it's awful. Oh, yeah, well, but it happens at our in our own homes when we're caring for our loved ones, too. We just have to be more sensitive. And, and look for what is causing the change in them. You know, I have a, a memory chip that I use, and it has three things that we need to focus on as caregivers. Are they safe, are they happy, and are they pain-free? And if we yeah. look for the joy, we'll find the joy. And if it's not there, we're going to find what's causing it to be gone. But we have to look for the right things. We have to stop focusing on the sadness and and the loss and the things that scare us as caregivers and really focus on the patient. And when we do that, um, we we gain so much in our relationships. It's just fabulous. So, again, I want to thank you so much for uh, for being with us today and definitely want to stay in touch with you. And, yeah. you know, have a wonderful weekend with your family. You would you say you had three kids, three little girls under seven? So. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. <laughs> and a and a dog, so yeah, you're. It's gonna be a wild weekend. <laughs> Hopefully, the weather will be nice and you'll be able to be outside. So thank you again so much for joining us, and um, we will talk soon, David. Thank you. All right, thank you, Lori. Thank you very much. Next, I had mentioned um, in the in the introduction that I wanted to tell you about a new venture that I'm working on. 
And I'm so excited and I'm so very proud to be part of this. And the venture is called the Memory Cafe. And the Memory Cafe actually is something that started over in the UK. And I'm located here in the US in Minnesota. But I found out about the Memory Cafe through Memory People, which is the Facebook group, which is a closed group that Rick Phelps, our, our Living with Alzheimer's advocate, started. And Rick's not able to be with us today, so I, I wanted to give him a little plug there because the group is growing leaps and bounds. It's just absolutely fabulous, the communications going on there. So on this group, I met a man by the name of Norms McNamara. And Norms has early onset. And Norms is also a poet and a writer, and he's just an all-round great guy, extreme advocate for the disease, and we are coordinating him uh, being on the show. Uh, he just moved, though, so he's, his Internet has been down. So we're hoping to get Norms on the air here in July because he's just a wonderful, wonderful guy. But in talking with Norms, he would post that he was going to this support group. And so I started talking to him about it because it was just such a, a neat group. And what the Memory Cafe um, is in talking with Norms was it's a social support group for a person with early to mid-onset Alzheimer's disease or memory loss and their caregiver. Because one of the things that happens with this disease is that sometimes you don't feel like you fit in anymore with your family and with your friends both. And so it's really important to have a social support group that you can go together um, and be a part. So I asked Norms if he would hook me up with the developers of the Memory Cafe. And so I got on my Skype and I was talking with David Light over in the UK and he sent me all the information on how to set up the cafes. And I was just shocked uh, at the collaboration. And they didn't want anything. And use the name. Lori, they just work. Spread the word. And, you know, I was so touched by that. Because you don't hear that very often. Here, it's working. Take it. Go. Run. Open them up. And so I approached um, some partners in this venture. Now, over in the U.K., they are funded by the government. In the U.S., not so much, given our budget crisis and all of that. And so I approached some people to see if they would be interested in, you know, looking at, can we pull this off? Can we make this work? And so I approached ACR Healthcare Group, which is owned by Jim Nelson. And he has a home health care. He owns several uh, group homes for the disabled and people with memory loss. And he also has a coffee shop that's absolutely gorgeous. And he said, you know what? I like this concept. We can hold the meetings here. And then I talked with um, the Minnesota Alzheimer's Research Center, which is one of the largest brain banks in the world. And they said, we'd like to partner up. And they also have a project called the Minnesota Memory Project, which is all about um, researching the disease process and, and how people progress as well as caregivers. 
And so I've actually signed up for that as a caregiver so that they can assess me. And so I go in for memory tests and all of that stuff. And it's really quite simple. It doesn't cost me any money to do that, but it costs me a little bit of time once a year to go in for a little bit of testing. But I think it's so worthwhile. And the um, the research center, I have signed both myself and my mom up to donate our brains when we when we die. Because if we don't step up to the plate, we're never going to get the answers. And the fourth part, or the um, the other partner in this process is Health Partners, and they have a Center for Alzheimer's Disease and Dementia, and that is run by um, Dr. Brett Hockey. And so we've all gotten together and said we're going to make this work. So July 13th, we are having our official open house from 1 to 3, and I will be posting information um, on the open house here, but you can go to the alzheimerspeaks.com resource website, and from there go to the blog, and the information is on there. And on July 13th, we are going to be having Dr. Richard Taylor come and speak, which is such an honor. Um, Dr. Taylor has had... um, early onset for several years. He goes around internationally and speaks and is absolutely so incredibly insightful of what it is like to have this disease, what works, what doesn't work. Um, So we're really excited to have him on July 13th from 1 to 3. And then we will also be having an open house July 27th from 6 to 7.30. Now, with this collaboration, I want to let you know, we really don't have, you know, we're not an organization. We're not not a, a charitable donation. This is just companies coming together saying we are going to make this work. And, of course, myself with Alzheimer's Speaks um, resource site, uh, blog, and the radio show, I also get out and, you know, speak and train and things. So we really have a nice, well-rounded group. But we're already getting people saying, we want to be sponsors. How can we help? And I mention this because it's so critical because we get stuck thinking we need a budget. And sometimes we just need to put our hand out and ask for help. And it comes. So I will keep you posted on this. I'm hoping actually to have all of our um, founding members on the air. We're trying to coordinate that with our crazy schedules so that uh, you can hear a little bit more about that in the future. We're going to be rolling into our next guest here um, very soon. But again, I just want to um, reiterate, for whatever reason, I'm having some technical difficulties today, so I can't get the chat box up and running. I don't know what happened, but um, at least we're you know, you're able to hear us, hopefully. And if you want to call in, again, the number is 714-364-4757. And you can always push one, raise your hand, and I will know that you're there. And I will try to pull you into our conversation here live on the show. So our next guest is Dennis Burkholz. And Dennis is the founder and president of the National Senior League um, Games. 
And Dennis um, coordinates We Bowling Leagues, and he's interested in starting one uh, for people with early onset, which I think is just fantastic. I can't wait to talk to him on this. So, Dennis, are you are you with us here? Let me see if I've got you on. I don't think I do. So let me click you in here. Dennis, are you here? I am. I'm waiting on you. Okay, yeah, I, I'm yapping away, and I forgot to click my button, you know. what? A, what's a girl to do? It's Friday, you know. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I've been listening to you yap. You're very good. Oh, yeah, I, I like to yap. It's never been a problem with me. So, well, wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time um, to come and talk to us and share what it is you're doing. But before we get to actually your, your service, can you – can you tell us a little bit, you know, have you ever been touched by Alzheimer's disease? I just like kind of like to get a personal connection if there is one. With yes, actually, um, I started the National Senior League because my parents uh, were in an assisted living facility down in Cape Coral, Florida, and my dad um, had dementia pretty bad. He actually died about three years ago. So I've got a lot of experience, at least with dementia, um, and um you know, it was pretty sad watching him go, but we had a good time. He still knew us, um, which was important to to myself, my family, my brother's sister. Um, but I, I basically got this started because uh, I thought that um, senior living communities, the entire genoir of them, from uh, senior centers to assisted living to um, rehab centers, uh, could use a a um a social entertaining and competitive environment which at least at my mom's place that they didn't have at the time and i uh was wee bowling one day with a friend of mine in oklahoma and kind of the, the light went on and i uh, went back to atlanta where i live and put together a business plan and gave up whatever it was i was doing and started a national senior league and we're actually in our fifth season right now which is three years of work but uh, it's been it's been real successful in terms of providing um, what what it is we wanted to provide. It's uh, competitive, it's social, it's entertaining, provides fitness. Um, we're introducing a lot of technology because of our website applications. And uh, in the upcoming league, which starts in August, we're going with Facebook and Twitter, and we're hoping that uh, senior residents will start smacking each other over Twitter. Okay. Okay. Now you said you were adding a lot of technology. Is is that the social media stuff you're talking about, or or do you mean something else? Because a lot of times when you say, you know, you're adding technology, people just go, ah, can't do that. You know. <laughs> How about we're introducing technology? Okay. Um, and okay. yes, it, it it does mean the the social media. Although uh, the way we operate is we're completely web based and the teams participate in their own communities, and then they have to go online to uh, post their scores and to find out how they did against their opponent and how they're doing during league play. Um, and what that means generally is that the uh, each team has a coach, and that coach has been in the past the activity director, but we're attempting to get residents involved as the coaches so that they have to use the technology that we use, which is basically going online using a password, and then posting your scores. Okay, and okay. one of the reasons we're going to Facebook uh, and more so Twitter is because we want um, family of senior residents to be able to see how grandma or grandpa did or, or mother or father did. 
And so we're trying to create a whole network of opportunity for senior residents to um, to start a new avenue of communications with their family. Okay. So are you doing these primarily out of communities, or can people be involved in their in their individual settings, in their individual homes, and and set up teams? Well, they can, but uh, on our the league that we have now, um, we you have to have a, a four players playing at one time because it's a team concept. We don't keep or have individual tournaments yet. Okay. Um, yeah. I Just the other day, though, when I chatted with you briefly, you know, I had this this uh, idea that why can't we do this for uh, early stages of dementia or uh, I don't know how Alzheimer's fits into that, but there's absolutely no reason why um, – people that have the early stages can't either compete in our league or we start a total new league for them. I think it, it's it's still a good thing. And what you and I talked about, Lori, which I thought was a good idea, was um, how, how can we do at-home care? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm still toying with that, but I'm open to ideas and we could possibly have two-person two teams. And that makes it a little bit easier than four people bowling. Okay, we, yeah. We use the Wii bowling. You know, it's been fun. Yeah, it, it's. I had never wee bowled until a few years ago because I, I just don't buy all that stuff. And but it's a riot. You know, it's just it's really a lot of fun. I've been to several parties and they pull that out and you know we were dancing or we're bowling or you know we're golfing yeah. or whatever and it's just it's kind of hilarious. And mm-hmm. um, it's just a nice social, um, engaging process. Um, where mm-hmm. people just laugh and have fun and um, tease one another. And so, you know, I was visualizing if you did something like this. I, I didn't know if people could do individual scores and then get them to the team captain, you know, so that you'd have four submitted or if they all had to play on one. I wasn't sure how the technology worked, if it's actually emailing in scores or if when they play on the Wii it captures it somehow and, and goes from there. Can, can well, you explain that a little bit more? For whatever, reason, for whatever reason, Nintendo didn't put together the ability to play my team against your team over the Internet. So what we do is have them play within their own communities and then, of course, post their scores through a password going into what we call our engine, which is which keeps our statistics uh-huh. easy to follow once you get the hang of it. Have, uh, answering your question, there's absolutely no reason why four people living separately, living at home, can't communicate with a captain, call mm-hmm. the scores to their captain, and then post it as a team event. Yeah, um, we, that's we actually, easily done. Okay. We had actually, you know, for this memory cafe that I was talking about, J. Arthur's Memory Cafe, we um, actually thought about we could do that as an activity if people wanted that. We're really going to let the group decide what is it that they sure. want at the J. Arthur's Memory Cafe. But um, mm-hmm. the, the cafe does have um, the capabilities. They've got the Wii game there, and they use it for their group homes, sometimes come in and play different games and things. So um, definitely it's something we're going to look into with our group and, and put on the agenda and see see yeah, what's yeah. what. Yeah, because that would be great. You know, what what we find, uh, the, the feedback I get is it's especially um, a social event for we bowlers. 
and the other thing is they get to make new friends within their community, and and I think that's that's a real selling point for us. And then, of course, it gets seniors moving around because if you really get into wee bowling, it's a quite intense exercise for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. Most people wouldn't believe that, but I've seen it happen day in and day out when I attend uh, communities that are wee bowling. Well, so there's, there's an awful lot of benefits to the Wii games, the Nintendo product. Well, I love the picture that you submitted where they've got all the same T-shirts and, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a real league, you know. The other thing that I think this could really be helpful, too, because with dementia and Alzheimer's disease, again, a lot of times family and friends don't know how to interact anymore. I mean, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. But developing a team that would just kind of be either a peer or family support team gives mm -hmm. them an avenue to engage and have fun. Yes. Because so many what? times people are just so devastated by the disease, they forget to play. Yeah, exactly. What what I'm trying to do too, Lori, that I haven't discussed with you in the past is one of my goals of putting the National Senior League together is, was to raise is to raise funding for Alzheimer's dementia. And what I'm working on, I haven't at all got the first base yet because I haven't figured out how to make it work, but I want to do an intergenerational tournament worldwide. And that means that grandma plays with grandson or granddaughter uh, over a one over a one month period of time and might submit say six or eight scores, oh, and then we I, have a, a like a world championship. So well, I have a great connection for you there because Alzheimer's Disease International is working with Dr. Richard Taylor and Laura Bromley. Um, Richard has has a has this I don't even know what to call it mission called Stand Up Speak Out. And they're in the process of developing on Alzheimer's Disease International website a place where people can go to log in different types of activities and mm -hmm. uh, and share. And, you know, that would be a perfect platform um, for people to hear about what it is you're doing um, because it is international. And, mm -hmm. it, and it would be intergenerational as well because what – what they're doing overseas um, is some incredible things that we just don't hear about here in the U.S. And, you know, part of my mission with this show is to open up the door to the collaboration so that we can yes. all raise our services and, um, and products and tools so that people can live healthier, more fulfilled lives. So. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. When I get when I get more information on that, I will definitely um, I will not only let uh, you know, but I will let our listeners know about that too. Because I just sure. talked with Laura yesterday on that, and she's gonna we're gonna have her on the show as well. So, mm -hmm. as, as far as somebody getting involved with this, what what's the process? If if there's a listener out there that says, "Hey, I I can dig up four people. I wanna I wanna have a lead." <laughs> Well, I think we have a pretty good website. It's nslgames.com, and you can go on there and, and view our history. Um, and somewhere on the site there, right in the middle, of course, there's a, a button that says Register Now, and they push that, and they get their registration form. There is a fee involved. We charge $300 for one team, $100 for teams after that from the same community. And, of course, we have discounted rates as well because the goal here is to get everybody playing and not necessarily you know, make big money or charge everybody if they can't afford to play. So that would involve a discussion with me. 
Okay. But it's pretty simple. Uh, the rules are just you, you got to have a Wii Bowling game. you got to have your Nintendo Sport Package. And uh, Wii Bowling is on there. And um, get a team of four up. We actually put teams in conferences of eight teams. So within your own conference, you play each team once. So our league runs for seven weeks. And I think one of the things we learned and, and we implemented right away was that senior uh, residents, regardless of whether they're at home or in communities, um, really don't want to be on a set time schedule. So we allow them to bowl any time between uh, Sunday and Thursday night. And then by Thursday night at 9 o'clock Eastern, they have to post their scores. So you bowl on your own, then you go online, post your scores. Friday morning you go back online and you find out how you did within your conference. And um, after seven weeks of competition, we split the teams up into three championships. Of course, the high-level bowlers, the mid-level, and the low-level, so that everybody gets to play in what we call the playoffs, the NFL playoffs. Uh, the simplest version of that is we, we do the top 64 teams play like the NCAA Final Four, where it's lose and you're out. Um, and that goes another three weeks. And so after a 10-week program, we have what we call a national champion. And actually our national champion, the first three leagues we ran was uh, uh, senior uh, CCRC from Boca Raton, Florida, and just this past year a team out of New Jersey, the Cedar Crest Crushers. Uh, won the championship. And as you said before, uh, there's, there's a lot of fun involved here. We, we ask that all the teams have uniforms, you know, so they buy their own T-shirts or the community buys them T-shirts, and they have to give themselves a team name. Um, we, we name the top 40 Wii bowling teams in the world. We have that on our website. Um, we have the top 10 teams in each state. Of course, we're not filled up yet because each state doesn't have 10 teams in our league, and that's the only way I can judge who the top 10 teams are but so far the first uh, our, our average number of teams in the league is 144 and each team is required to have what we call five roster bowlers and four of those bowl at one time we, we require or we want you to have a substitute in case somebody gets sick or has an appointment somewhere so there's always four people bowling um, what what i found is that a lot of the teams have eight bowlers and four bowlers bowl the first game and four bowl the second because each match which is once a week they have to bowl two games but they can interact their players so it's been a lot of fun it's really rewarding to do something like this i'm sure you felt the same way with what you're doing but when, when you're doing something good that seems to be working it's 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 really fun oh definitely now you said that you know you get a champion is there is there um a reward at all or do they get their picture posted on the site, and you know, I mean, some. Oh, some I got like... pictures everywhere, Lori. <laughs> pictures okay. work. <laughs> okay. But uh, what what we do is uh, each conference, like if you have 144 teams, I think that's 18 conferences. So the winner of each conference gets a trophy or a plaque, and then the final four teams get a trophy or a plaque, and then of course the national champion gets a plaque. Okay. And, um, I finally got a sponsor for the NSL, and it's Leading Age, which is old ASA Group, A-A-S-H-A. Uh -huh. And um, what we're doing this, this year with them as a sponsor is we're um, webcasting the finals to their annual trade show in front of 3,000 people. And uh -huh. because we can do that, we can webcast it on a, 
uh, a website just like you and I are talking, except, of course, there will be a video. So we're going to actually webcast our finals so people can go online and watch the two teams play in the finals. Oh, very fun. Very fun. Yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to, be, to do as much as we can with uh, as little as we have, but uh, it seems to be working to this point. Well, I, I think it's just wonderful, and, you know, to me, it's all about building community and making people feel that they still have purpose and fit, and I think your your concept here can work, you know, for any of us uh, that are, right. so, you know, we're such a disconnected society these, these days. Everybody's such a hustle and bustle. But even to be able to tap in, even if you're not in the same room, to be able to share that, know there's a little competition and, you know, maybe a little smack going back and forth, teasing one another, you know, on on scores and stuff, which typically happens in the leagues, and just some laughs and giggles. I just think that's absolutely wonderful to be able to do that. We name a wee bowler of the year, and uh, the person, Joe Raccabini from uh, Boca Raton, Florida, he's 78. Mm-hmm. Um, I had about 22 people, I think, that were 90-plus years old in the last league, and our oldest competitor was 105. Oh, fantastic. Um, so, yeah, yeah, no, it's really great. And, of course, people bowl, and we bowl in their wheelchairs, and I have one team that has, I think, two wheelchair players, so they all bowl in chairs just to make everything equal on their team. Um, I have a blind boulder in the league, and the way he operates is his wife lines him up, and then he uses the the nunchuck and wee bowls as well. He averages about 180. Hey, um, that's way better than yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> you have to practice that, more. <laughs> that, yeah, that is wonderful, though. I, I love yeah. the adaptability. And um, yeah. it, it's it's so, I mean, I was, you know, I thought it was, oh, it's kind of a kid's game type thing. And, I, you know, that's why I never bought a machine because it was kind of like, right. hey, and then when I played it at a friend's house, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is a riot, you know. And my girlfriend, yeah. Cindy, says, oh, we play it all the time with the kids and the grandkids. And, you know, it's just yeah. a, a fun thing to do if the weather isn't very good or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. It's just, she says, it just brings yeah. us together. Yeah. It's a great social and family game, uh, we bowling and we golf. And uh, I would encourage any of your listeners to uh, contact me if there's, any way they can help expedite some kind of a intergenerational tournament. I want to really do it in July if I can, every July over a 30-day period of time, and have it worldwide. And I think we can really raise a lot of money for dementia, Alzheimer's. Wonderful, wonderful. I, I love the intergenerational. I think that that's just a, yeah, yeah. such an yeah. important, important concept there. So do you have any... Um, any words of wisdom for people in terms of uh, disease, you know, the, the dementia and the Alzheimer's, since you were a caregiver with your dad? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you have to continue to – I found visiting my father with my mother at my side um, very rewarding, not only for myself, but for my father. Um, and – also, you know, I think I think that helps them along. I think from a um, a younger person's standpoint, my father was in a uh, 24-hour care, of course, and to see how 
how important caregivers are really was important to me and to understand the hard work that they do, and they're often ignored. Um, And then to understand that people with dementia, Alzheimer's, have a life as well, and, and they need a lot of support. It was always sad to me to have stories related where a Alzheimer's patient didn't have very many visitors. Um, I come from a family of six, and we were pretty adamant about visiting my father often. So maybe maybe we had a support line, a support um, mechanism in place. But I, I think anybody that can give support to Alzheimer's dementia patients is doing a great thing in their life. And when you get a little older, you begin to realize that that's what's important is helping others. Exactly, exactly. Have you had any kind of surprising comments from people who have participated in the league that you'd like to share with us? <laughs> um, no, I don't think anything surprised me. I grew up being an athlete, so I kind of understand this competitive mode. Um, and I think that the competitive spirit of a third of the players in the league, which which equals about 200 of the 600 that bowl in the league, are, surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a competitive spirit in in people that we call senior citizens. And by the way, I don't believe there's a group out there, uh, and I, I, I'm going to not call them by their name but by their acronym, ICAA.org. They're trying to redefine how we talk about aging. And I think that's really important because, as you are aware, and certainly I am being in the industry, that we're so much younger than what our forefathers were when they were our age, and and we have to continue to live lives as we've always lived them and not live them like we were taught to live, which is once you reach 60 or 65, you're finished because not many of us are finished anymore. No. Um, and I think redefining uh, or, or re, yeah, redefining who we are and what we are at, at 60, 55, 60, 65 is really important, and we all, all ought to work towards that. What was that acronym again? I have to Google that and see what it is. <laughs> ICAA.org, International oh. something something. I'm sorry, I don't have it at the top of my mouth. It's a really good organization that uh, um that does good things in the aging community. Okay. I'm out of Vancouver. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if it yeah. was international changing aging, you know, if it was something with Bill Thomas. National. <clears throat> I'm, I'm sorry, Lori. I didn't have that up to my tongue. <laughs> well, that's, that's okay. That's what Google is for, you know. Thank God. Yeah, exactly. So, well, one other thing, Lori, that, that I'd like to say in your uh, previous caller, I mean, your previous, um, Communication communicator there, David Schoffman. Schoffman, uh-huh. He said, something, he said something like, we need to find more ways to be creative and innovative with our, our elderly, our seniors. And I'm a senior, by the way. I'm 66. Um, and and I, I totally agreed with that. that. That statement from David caught my mind because that's exactly where I'm at and what I try and do. I'm creating something that's creative and innovative and I think we are, and I think you are too, Lori. And I think more people ought to ought to try and and be that way. Let's not do it the way we did it in the past. Let's do something new and different, so we can yeah. all live longer, productive lives. 
Well, and I'm I'm a firm believer. You know, I used to say, uh, throw the box out. You know, you got to think outside the box. Just, you know, <laughs> yes. and then, then I then I got to the point of, oh heck with the box, throw the box out. And now my my new thing is when I go to talks is I say, no, we got to keep the box. But we have to realize as we age and go through stages in our life that box can be any shape, size, or color. Right. And and we yeah. have to adapt to what it is that fills our heart, our minds, and our souls as we go through this process of life. And mm-hmm. you know, we're not square, we're not round, we're we're not anything. We're we're ebbing and flowing and change is normal and you know, it's time for us to hop on the ride and enjoy it instead of being afraid of it. And Correct. be innovative and get creative and you know, speak your mind because if you don't, you know, nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. we, we, we've got to work together. And, again, that's what ADI is really working on, the Alzheimer's Disease International um, with Richard Taylor and Laura as well. So it's it's just fun. I, I just feel like there's this insurgent, kind of this, this bubbling um, ground force that's just you know, swelling and people like you and I and David and so many others are are just coming out and say, you know what, it's time. It's it's time to work together yep. to make a difference. So thank you so much for all you're doing. Can you repeat one more time for our audience, Dennis, of how people should get a hold of you? Yes, they should visit our website at nslgames.com. And the name of my organization is the National Senior League, and we do Wii Bowling and Wii Golf Championships for senior residents. Wonderful. Either in home care or in communities. And we'd love to have you play. Lori, I appreciate the time with you, babe. It's good. Oh, well, thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend, and um, we'll definitely stay in touch. And In fact, I was going to ask you if you wouldn't mind um, sending me over, if you have like a, a press release or just kind of a summary, I would love to put that on the blog um, that just kind of summarizes what we talked about today and how people can, can reach out to you and be connected. That would just be another way that I'd be more than glad to help you um, with Great. that. So, Okay? I will do that. Okay, okay, Lori, thank you very much for having me. Okay, take care. Thank you again. Yep, yep. bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, listeners, we're, we're rounding up the show here. I know it's been a long one today, um, but I, I hope that you feel that you've gotten some good information. I know I just feel energized. I just love talking to people and what they're doing to make some change, and I would love you to help us spread the word. So if you wouldn't mind, again, just um, going to our homepage and sharing us on Twitter or Facebook or emailing us or including a little blurb on your blog or if you've got a newsletter that you want to put in, maybe it's a friend who just needs some support, let them know we're out here. There's lots of things we can do together if we help one another. I don't have our next show um, scheduled yet. I'm working with lots of great guests, though, and I just want to tell you who they are and kind of why I don't have a show set up. Basically, the way I set this program up was I, I purposely did not want a specific time and day because I need uh, my my belief is is that as a host, I need to meet the needs of our guests. And our guests are going to be international. And so we've got time zone differences. And then we have our memory impaired people. And we need to be able to work with 
you know, what works for them. I need this to be a comfortable platform. But if you um, subscribe to us and, uh, and follow us, you will be notified when the next show is. Plus, you know, I always spit things out by the via the blog, the Alzheimer's Speaks dot com um, blog you can get information there too so some of the people that i've been talking with are norms mcnamara and again he's the guy who is the poet over in the uk who has early onset and he's the one who introduced me to the memory cafes and i really want norms to talk about what he has experienced with the memory cafe over in um, the uk and then he is um kind of pioneering an Alzheimer's uh, Worldwide Day. And so I want him to talk about that. Dr. Richard Taylor and uh, Laura Bromley, I've talked with them. And again, they are working with ADI in terms of this standout, um, Stand Up Speak Out program, which will talk about coordinating activities um, that people can do. Um, Jim Mueller, is uh, someone who is diagnosed with early onset at the age of 37. Yes, you heard me right. I said 37. I am very excited to um, be working with them, uh, both uh, Jim and his wife, Michelle, uh, to be on the show. And then David Simpson, he is the son of Lolo. And Lolo was the documentary last week that um, that we highlighted with producer Clay Johnson. So, again, we've got lots of neat things coming. Um, if you have ideas for the show, if you think you might be a good fit for the show, please message me. I would love to talk to you. Um, you know, I don't have all the answers. Again, it's about collaboration. And so if you've got something that you think is a good fit, please, please um, give me a shout out um, and we will connect and discuss it. So right now I'm just going to wrap up with our um, music from JP, who is the ambassador for Alzheimer's Disease International, um, with his song, Think Ahead, Go Ahead, JP's dad has Alzheimer's disease. And this song that he has written, I think, just opens our hearts and our minds to be open to new ideas and new ways as we journey, you know, through memory loss. Until next time, please remember to use your memory chip, which is a tool you can get on the Alzheimer's Speaks website that helps you focus on what's important when you're dealing with someone with Alzheimer's disease. It's very simple. Keep in mind, are they safe, are they happy, and are they pain-free? God bless. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. 
Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on local now, channel 525.